When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Nine oh three here on SENZ Morena, New Zealand. Good morning to you all. A fabulous Friday heading into a bohemoth, quote a phrase, bohemoth weekend of sport. Simply cannot wait for it. And to preview it all today, we're going to talk about rugby, about golf, about boxing, about UFC. We're going to talk to a couple of great rugby panellists about the history of the Springboks and the All Blacks. Also, a Tasman man through and through, Mitch Hunt, Michael Guerin on the harness racing industry. They're back at headquarters tonight. They're back at Alexandra Park. What a weekend ahead. What a weekend indeed. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. So what began on August 13th, 1921 at Carisbrook in Dunedin and journeyed through Eaton Park to Athletic Park to Kingsmead to Ellis Park through to Newlands back to Lancaster Park to PE to Loftus Versfield to Kings Park past Millennium Stadium over to the Docklands to Westpac to Royal Bafferking to Soccer City the Waikato Stadium to Nelson Mandela Bay to Twickenham and to Yokohama will finally, finally hit Townsville tomorrow night. To be fair, it should have been at Forsyth Bar and the romance and that back to where it began 101 years ago. But alas, it can't. But at least it's on neutral turf and there's a certain fairness about that. Some boffin somewhere will probably know exactly how many scrums and lineouts, pies and brys, Pints and programs, players and penalties and protests have contributed to this, the undisputed greatest rivalry in rugby. Isn't there a sense of irony too that in a contest which for so long denied the presence and participation of men of colour, that the two sides will be led out by Adi Savia and Sia Khaleesi? That indeed is some sort of statement. Two men so proud of their heritage. I wonder if there'll be any special jerseys to mark the occasion. I wonder if Susie will cook a special burger. I wonder if Andre Pollard will pass the ball, and I wonder if the first penalty will be in the first minute. Spare a thought for Loza Mains and Louis Late, for Hearty and Fitzy the Tree, Jonah and Goldie. Remember that Izzy try. So much to look forward to. So much to contemplate. So much to reflect on if you love the game. And don't we? And don't we? I'm not sure if there's a heaven or if there's the other place either. But if there is, let's hope that all those great men 
who are no longer with us can congregate to celebrate and enjoy the 100th. Those men who have played all, all their part in green and black to make this the rivalry that it is. There's too many to mention. Let's hope they can drink a pint and then another pint, a bottle and then another bottle of spates or castle. Because if there is a heaven, they will never run out. folks, uh, and it's the game everyone's been waiting for. It kicks off tomorrow night in Townsville. Yep, Townsville at 7.05. The All Blacks taking on the Springboks for the 100th time. And a man with a unique perspective on that rivalry is former Waikato Natal Springbok halfback Kevin Putt. Uh, Putty, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Uh, Where will you be watching it, mate? Oh, Smithy, great to be on. Um, look, we're, we're obviously in lockdown in Auckland and that, uh, King's College, but we'll, we'll be having a screen up and social distance and have a look at it. It's, uh, it's going to bring back a few memories for you, mate. You've been part of this, uh, this fantastic Springbok green jersey, etc. part of the road to get to this point. Uh, man, it, it's, it's just going to add something different, I, I would imagine, as they walk out. Oh, mate, you, your intro was absolutely dead on, nearly brought a tear to the eye. There's been a lot of great people in the past, and that's what these uh, sort of commemorative games are about, but the players won't buy into that. This is all about what happens tomorrow. Um, it, it is fantastic. That, it's a proud rivalry. Um, and, and look, there's, there's different, definitely a different approach you take when you're playing New Zealand players, and, and I'm sure New Zealand, when they focus on taking on South Africans, it's going to be a physical battle, no question about it. What have you made of the Springboks uh, in this calendar year, Paddy? Yeah, mate, look, um, the, the, the Lions, they, they were very limited in their patterns, but it was a very successful pattern. I think one of the biggest impacts on them as they go through now is Russi not with them, is you know not physically with them. Is, is he's not a talisman, he's the mastermind, he's the motivator. Um, I, I think that that is absolutely huge, but they, they haven't changed their game plan in any form. They're playing very conservative, and most importantly, they've been beaten in the, the key areas that they see, which, you know, they've got some of the best defence in the world, and Aussie sort of ripped them apart a bit. And you've also got the, the, the best line-out drive, and uh, that's exactly where Aussie defused them. So uh, there's, there's a recipe for the All Blacks. You pitch up and get that right, then you've, you've potentially got the winning of the game. Where do you think they'll attack the All Blacks? Oh, mate, the, the, the pressure's on the All Blacks, not the Springboks. I don't think they'll change their game at all. They'll kick in the air. They'll test the two young boys of Bridge and uh, Will Jordan, uh, which they've done every game. By the way, that's not about Bridge and Jordan. That's, that's their, their status, low risk. Um, as games get more intense, you tend to go into your shell. They've got no shell to go into. They live in the shell. That's, <laughs> that's all they do. They'll, they'll play once they're within the 22. Uh, the, bo- uh, the box defence is what they'll be focused on. That'll be the, the, the key aspect. Cut down, or Shut down the All Blacks, stop their tip game, force turnovers, and that's when they're more likely to play. Let's look at uh, the, the Springboks. Lucy's uh, for a second, uh, Putty. Uh, yeah, yeah. Vermeulen is, is back at number eight. Uh, is, he, is he back to the Dwayne Vermeulen that, that we knew and loved uh, as one of the best players in the world? Has he got back to that point yet? 
No, no, he's not, mate. And and uh, you've you've just hit to me. You've hit the nail on the head with the biggest concern. Steph De Toy not being on that blind side. And I mean, the All Blacks have got players out as well, but Steph De Toy, he's a massive, massive human being, um, and massive not only just in size, but his contribution to the game, as we saw in the World Cup. Um, the the having lost a blind side like that, they've now got Khaleesi playing as a blind side and they've got Kwaka Smith that's coming in an open side. So I think they're a bit lost on their combinations and getting the best out of their loose forwards. So I think you've hit it absolutely on the head there, Smithy, that I, I reckon if they're going to have a weakness, it's going to be turning over ball, having some of these big men get down over it. If you play the kind of game they play, uh, which, as you say, is to build towards the 22 and then start to try and think about playing rugby... Um, you have to be accurate because uh, if you're not, that is playing into the All Blacks hands. They're probably the best counter-attacking, uh, quick punishing team in the world. Hundred percent, mate. And that's why the point was put in. Fafta Clerk is still rated as the, you know up there with uh, Aaron Smith as the top halfback. Why? Every kick he puts in is contestable. You, you know, it's it's a fifty-fifty with so close to that touchline that there's a potential to turn it over and and to be another Springbok ball, and they can work their way up the field. Does it suit the way I'd like to play? Hell no. But it's effective. Um, you, what you just said. If they get that slightly wrong, then the counterattack is massive. But these guys also back themselves. You know, the South Africans are tough, tough human beings. And they'll just say, right, you, you bring it at us. And they'll, they'll be working hard to make sure they've got their defence right. But let's be honest, it hasn't been at the peak that we saw during the World Cup. I really relish uh, this battle of the nines tomorrow. I mean, you know, it's been a little while since uh, TJ, I think, has been confirmed back there uh, without Aaron Smith. So TJ Peronara, uh, a biggish halfback, a physical halfback. Uh, and Fafta Klerk, I reckon that's one of the battles of the night. I, I'm with you, 100%. You know, we just we just gave Fafta a bit of a, a pump, talked about his kicking game. He's got so much more, that, but we're just not seeing it within their uh, their system and patterns. But TJ, I mean, seriously, his strength is really around his defence, turnover of ball, and, and that nuggety stuff, taking short little snipes and close in. He's not the greatest passer in the world, but... By goodness, he's such a competitor that he drives everyone as well. But to have someone like, uh, uh, well, not just him, but the, the, the bench coming on, the All Blacks are actually blessed with the amount of strength they're coming from there. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's one of these games that the halfback challenge will be good, but the whole spine of both teams is very impressive. 9-12 here on SENZ. We're talking to uh, Kevin Putt, of course. Uh, Putty, we've asked so many people... Uh, and uh, New Zealand rugby players and coaches uh, during the last week or so about the rivalry uh, from New Zealand's point of view, and they all say the ultimate. Is it the same for the Springboks, this, this rivalry? Well, it, it, it is. It, it is for a number of reasons. I remember when I was coaching in South Africa, the first thing we'd do when we were talking about players, and we, we were quite, uh, we were seen as the last British outpost in Natal, and so we'd, we'd take players from overseas, and it was always, you know, who do you grab? If, if you go to Australia, you get a technical, you know, the guy that will be really technical. If you've got a Kiwi, then you had the toughest, hardest bugger that you could possibly get. Uh, there, there was just always that physical respect. But now I think it's, you know, with the continued success of the All Blacks, it, it's now just lifted to another notch in terms of that respect. But it, it's always been there. They're tough competitors, but we also socialise exceptionally well together. You mentioned before so many 
uh, of players on both sides uh, of the ledger uh, no longer with us. Uh, and, you know, they play on their behalf tomorrow night as well in memory of those uh, 100 special years. But one in particular who should have uh, taken way too early, uh, Jus van der Vesthuizen, of course. Uh, he won't yeah. be able to watch this. Uh, man, uh, your memories of him and, and uh, his time in that uh, that Springbok number nine. Oh, mate, he was. I, I, I sat on the bench at Test match to him for so often. Disliked him immensely, but that was a strong, strong respect. He was just so good. He was the best halfback in the world at that time. Just, I'm, I'm not convinced he was a halfback. He was a loose forward wing, second fight. He was everything. You know. I, I, he, he scored tries and created play that I, no one else could do. I don't care what you say. You know, he was the Jonah Lomu of, of South African rugby for a period of time there. Um, a fantastic, fantastic sportsman and immense competitor. And um, I, I don't mean to railroad you and throw someone else, but another guy I played with over there that certainly need mention is James Small as well, taken very, very young. And, um, but as we said, there's, there's many that have gone. Um, but there's a lot of us that still, you know, remember them. Paddy, I go back quite a, a long way these days, but uh, I remember the 65 Springboks, uh, Dawi de Villiers, uh, you know, uh, captain. Yeah. Uh, brilliant halfback. I remember Jan Ellis, Lofty Nell, uh, Engelbrecht, uh, all those players way back then. Did you have uh, a Springbok when you were growing up that you uh, idolised, that you thought was the man? Well, strangely enough, mate, um, and, and I'm probably similar generation, but um, I, no, mine, mine were definitely all black figures that were at the head, and uh, you just went to a halfback. Mine was someone that ended up playing against him, I think, for a little bit, was Sid going. And um, uh, so, so, no, I did not have Springbok idols at that stage, but I still had an immense amount of respect. I remember watching the 76 series and uh, seeing the, 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 the goal kicking and... and I, I was always astounded with the distance that they could kick, and it suddenly made sense when I got there. Um, but, but the rivalry is not about individuals to me. It's, it's more about the aura of the countries, um, the respect they have for the success that the others have had. And more importantly, I, I go back to that social factor. We seem to get on very, very well with South Africans. There's a, a similar mentality. South Africans are incredible people because I tell you what, you, you live there, there's, there's an opportunity or a chance that you won't be making it home each night. You know, survival is massive. So they seem to live life to the full. And um, look, I, I, I just love this. Love this rivalry. Going to enjoy this game. It's interesting, uh, the change in rugby these days, Paddy. Uh, you're at the, at the forefront in terms of uh, where you played on the field, so... Uh, how do you feel it's being officiated now and the, the time it's, it's taken to get through things? Have, have we lost something or added something? Oh, look, I, I, I guess if you've added something, it's the safety factor. Um, I, I had the misfortune of playing a game of, or two games of rugby where, where, where as a young man, people died. So, um, you know, th those things I've not heard too much about of recent, so I've, I've got to take that as a positive. Um, what is certainly taken away at the moment is this reset. I know that they're trialling some laws around scrummaging. Um, we certainly don't want to depower it so much that you suddenly get, you know, 80 kg props or anything of the sort. There's got to be a balance of the game that attracts every type of human and size and all the rest of it. But um, I, I really think that we've got to balance up that entertainment factor. 
and the uh, continuity. You know, we, we still want to make this one hell of a contest, but it's got to be something that both the players and the spectators can enjoy. Well, let's hope the contest uh, tomorrow night befits the occasion, eh? Let, let's just hope that the, uh, everyone enters into the spirit of what has been a fantastic uh, 100 test matches that will be, by that time they've finished, duking it out tomorrow. Um, enjoy it, Putty. Thanks very much for your time this morning. and Enjoy the occasions. Being a man that's been part of it, uh, you'll have a special feeling. Oh, thanks very much, Smithy, and great intro. Wish everyone the best. Thank you very much. Kevin Putt there, of course, uh, former Waikato, uh, Natal Shark, Springbok halfback, and now uh, adding so much back into uh, the New Zealand game as well. And uh, great memories there. Uh, great reflection on the likes of Jus van der Vesthuizen. Uh, love that stuff. I really do. It's 9.18 here. Uh, in fact, it's just ticked over to 9.19. Let's be accurate. S-E-N-Z. Uh, and if you've got uh, any views on uh, on this game tomorrow, you must have, surely. Um, you know, your, your favourite ever Springbok. Um, you know, the one that uh, you hate but you respect deep down. Um, maybe, uh, you know, give us a score. Give us a score. That's uh, always a popular one. Give us a score. All Blacks by how many? Springbok by how many? Could it be a draw? Could it be a draw? Who would know? Uh, let hear from you. Double eight, double three. Your thoughts on what is it going to unfold tomorrow night? Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Got Dean on the line from Dunedin. Before we get to Dino, uh, who's uh, been good enough to call in, uh, here's a couple of texts as well. Uh, uh, hi, Smithy JD. Uh, enjoyed the sermon. Still puts shivers down my spine to beat them. Um, uh, I'd, he also says, Anthony says, the box could ruin this. That's the way they beat us. Uh, South Africa halftime, uh, All Blacks full-time. Remember uh, still, uh, Bosch in 1976, he kicked, kicked them to, to a win from everywhere. Uh, so Andre Pollard will have the focus on him, there's no doubt about that. Uh, always been a, a huge Skulk Burger fan, says Willie from Pegasus. I love the way he played the game. Always uh, a special mention of Ruben Kruger, another great South African taken far too early. Uh, Smithy have watched the box versus the All Blacks since the 76 tour. Just a must-watch every test favourite, uh, every test match. The favourite box for Ken, Mornay Duplessis. Mornay Duplessis, yep, very, very fine player. Uh, Dino, Dino from Dunedin, good morning to you, sir. What about the spring box for you? Well, I think it was 76 too. I, I messaged you yesterday about old BG with the bandages on his knee, but it was their 10 back then. His name was Gerald Bosch. Yeah. He, he kicked goals from all over the place against us too and played for, I think he even played for the university. He's played, they played five tests, I think, and he played the All Blacks about six times. So they had him well and truly ready to, to beat us. So obviously that duplicity was pretty damn good too. I think he was a number eight. So I remember him. But, um, and there was a guy on the wing, was it Camasace or something like that? They called him Jimmy Jim Shoes. Yep, something like that. He was he yeah. was pretty sharp. But that's my first memory of the Springboks, and that's why I rang her yesterday. I'm so pissed off. She's a beautiful day underneath. <laughs> and they could have trained outside for the last two days, and then gone under the roof, and she's thunder and lightning tomorrow, so no one else wants to live here. But, yeah, it's just, it's just wrong. This whole thing's in bloody Australia, but it is what it is. But that'll be my two three favourite Springboks of the old days and then Victor Matfield, you can't really go past him, like, he, he would be an All Black, that's how I rate them if you put them in the All Blacks they've got to be up there 
Yeah, look, I, I couldn't agree more with you. The, the player I think you're looking for was Jerry Hermesays. Jerry Hermesays yeah. was the, the winger you're looking for there. Um, also, uh, you know, you look at uh, the history of, uh, of them. They've always had a good 10. They've always had a goal-kicking 10, uh, always through the years. And Nas Porter. Uh, and I, 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 I still think that Andre Pollard is perhaps the key. I don't think there'll be much between the packs. I think they'll get, they'll get, they'll get their ball at set-piece time. Uh, so what they do with it will be the key. So that means the accuracy uh, of Andre Pollard, uh, Dean, is, is the whole game in terms of the Springboks. Oh, totally. That's how they play. That's why, I mean, for me, Rico Iwani is one of the world's best attacking wingers, but I think they're a wee bit worried about the high ball with him. But centre, I just don't like him. I could, for me, I don't see vision. I see a really, really talented bloke that wants to put the ball under his wing and run like hell, you know. So I want our outsides to get the ball because that's our strength. But I don't know that his distribution skills at the right time are good enough. Hopefully I'm wrong, but I just don't know. Like, it worries the hell out of me. Like, if I was to pick a score, I'd go 12 all at half time and maybe 21-19 to I'm not sure who. Dino, you can't go. You can't go, of course. I mean, you could go to Forsyth Bar, but you'd be lonely. Uh, how, how are you? How are you going to watch it, mate? How are you going to celebrate this 100th? Well, I tried, to, I tried to book some rooms at the Law Courts pub here in Dunedin, but some bugger's having a 50th, so I couldn't get the room that I wanted. that has got a big lounge, so a few of go. So, no, I don't know. I had 10 tickets to the game, mate. I had a guy come from Auckland and a guy come from Wellington. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. I haven't got Sky at home because I was... I don't really have a home, so I haven't got a room to put it in. So it's just one of those bloody things. I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. I'll probably go to the Valley Lodge, but I'm half deaf and can't hear it there, so that pisses me off. I don't know. I should be in a bar right now drinking beer with a few mates, looking forward to it, and I'm wondering, I'm talking to you, which isn't a bad thing, I <laughs> Oh, man. The last test I went to in Dunedin, I didn't go to the Fiji game because I saved me money for this bastard and it's not here. But we went to Tokyo Dry. It must have been before the World Cup. We played someone, give them a hiding at Forsyth Bar. But they gave away, if you drunk four stubbies of Tokyo Dry at the Sale Bar, I think it is, in St. Clair, you got one Steinlager stubby thing to go over the top of your bottle. So we stayed there until we got all 15 laid out on the floor, 1 to 15. Had a great day and then went to the test the next day, hung over as buggery. Can't remember the score, but who we played, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Dino, you're a great, you're great. You're absolutely fantastic, man. Uh, I mean, there's, <laughs> I won't say you're, you're one in a million because there's a lot of guys around, around New Zealand with uh, that great rugby sentiment that you've got, but. You've just, you've just made my Friday and started my weekend. Fantastic call. Uh, 9.30 here on SENZ, time for the news. Well, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The Ryder Cup is my favourite sporting event to sit down and watch over a period of time. And it tees off tomorrow morning New Zealand time at Whistling Straits uh, in uh, a little place called Sheboygan County, Wisconsin. Uh, Europe looking to defend their ti- the, the cup against uh, the USA uh, and to preview the action. We've got uh, 
one of New Zealand's foremost golf coaches, uh, former professional uh, player in his own right, and uh, obviously uh, also the coach of Ryan Fox. But uh, Marcus Wheelhouse, uh, good morning to you. Uh, before we chat golf, mate, uh, I saw uh, a little while ago uh, you had some equipment stolen, including a, a very special putter. Did you ever get that gear back, mate? Okay, Smithy. Uh, no, I didn't, mate. Unfortunately, it's uh, it's sitting around the in the world somewhere, but um, it's uh, it's well, you know, it's it's not life and death, but uh, it was just disappointing. There's some stuff that was uh, pretty um, irreplaceable, but you know, hey, it's uh, it's life, it seems. No, it's a bugger, mate. It's an absolute bugger. Um, yeah. There's some things I know as a sportsman. There's some things you just do not want to part with, and if some sod breaks in and takes them. Um, that would hose me off. So I, I've got to, uh, yeah. sentiments with you there. Uh, hopefully the Ryder Cup can uh, help you. you just forget that for a, a little while, mate. Uh, gee whiz, uh, for me, it's, uh, it's, the golf, it's the golfing highlight uh, every time it comes around. What about for you? Absolutely. Look, I've, um, I've been to one of them. I was actually lucky enough to be uh, uh, a host on a tour with Elite Tours um, the last time in Paris. So... Uh, um, pretty special, actually. I posted on Instagram last night. Just a, you know, I was, we hopped up, you know, really early one morning and uh, on the first morning, and, and I said to the, everybody in the in the crew, I said, look, I think the you know the best thing would be to be on that first tee in that in that first uh, match, and and we got about oh, we were probably about ten rows back, and uh, it was all, it was unreal, you know, just for I don't know if you remember the clap that they had, that, that was almost mm-hmm. like a a slow sort of rising clap. It was it was fantastic. Uh, look, whistling straights, mate. Uh, tell us a, a wee bit what you you know about it because I've been reading up on it, and and it's true to its name. There's a bit of breeze about. Yeah, look, it's you know it's hosted a um, a few majors. It's a it's a it's a course. It's right on Lake Michigan. Um, it's one of those golf courses that you know it's a modern course. It's a you know there's a lot of carries. Um, and 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 very strategic, you know, and that right too as well. So you know the lines that you take um, have a have a big, you know, I suppose bearing on on sort of what distance you have to hit it as well. Um, so you know you've got to carry from you know maybe 280 yards, and then you've got to stop it, you know, after that. And if you take a different line, you have a totally different distance into that into that green as an approach shot. Um, you know, it's it's that. Moderny sort of golf course, you know the fescues and the and the and the sort of a lot of the waste areas. Um, so it's it's really a, a golf course that's very, you know, I think a, a combination really of of it's going to be the wind's going to be a big factor. I looked at the forecast, um, and it looks like it's going to be um, pretty breezy sort of that Friday afternoon, that first day in the afternoon, and pretty calm. And then there's a bit of rain on Saturday, and it's pretty fine on on Sunday. So. Um, I think you know weather always going to be a factor in the afternoon, but but again a great course. Going to you know the, there's some really long golf holes. The last hole's a 515 yard par four, uh, which is pretty epic. So um, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's going to be interesting. Is there a clear advantage uh, for the United States team playing here, or are the length style conditions that you've described to a large degree a bit of a balancing factor? Yeah, look, it's really interesting, you know, that whole conversation, isn't it? You know, there's, um, the, the, I think the, the way the Europeans have come into the event, you know, they've really sort of talked themselves down, really. Um, and with COVID, you know, there's, there's hardly any Europeans there, um, in support, which will be really tough. Um, 
I think you know the, the the rankings for the American teams off the charts. So the worst place, the worst ranked um, on the world rankings is 21 in the American team, which is uh, which is phenomenal. You know they've got a very young team. Um, you know no Mickelson, no Tiger this year, uh, but they've got you know they've just got the superstars of world golf there. So they're definitely on paper, uh, you know the, the favourite. But but then you look at the heart and and you look at the character. Um, you know, I, I just love the way that you know Podrick Harrington operates um, in many in many ways, and you know that Green Bay Packers um, cheesehead thing was just was just great. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting because it's just you know on paper absolutely America, but but with heart and uh, and the underdog part of it, it's um, you know Europe's always going to be a factor. You look at the American captain uh, Steve Stricker. He seems a relatively quiet spoken, go-about-your-business type golfer on the golf course. Very, very successful in his own right, of course. But how do you see the personalities of the captains? Because that's often very much highlighted in the coverage of the event. Yeah, from what I've seen, Smithy, you know, the, the, the Americans got nothing but respect for Stricker. Um, I think, you know, he's a... I think you're dead right. He's, he's very... Um, a very nice guy, you know. He's one of those guys that he's always come across as being very humble and humility's on a, on the top of his list of things that that matter to him. Um, you know, I just, you know, every time he wins a golf tournament, he cries. Um, I don't know if you know if you if you've noticed that pattern with Steve. Um, so he's obviously got this, you know, the softer side of him that that uh, or emotional, I suppose you could say. Um, but also, you know, being as successful as as he's been, um, you know that he's got the the competitive streak underneath there because you're not, you know, a, a, a top-ranked player, you know, for 30 odd years, which he has been, um, without that burning desire to win and, and compete. So, yeah, he'll, he'll be a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde, I'd say. Um, but there's definitely respect for him and the within the American team. And then Podrick's a, a sort of a guy. I mean, he's my age. I, I played actually had some amateur golf and some pro golf with him at different stages. And um, you know, he's he's quite a quirky sort of a guy, but he but he's a real thinker. Uh, he's 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 ground out a great, an unbelievable career, um, you know. And I say grind with a, with, a, with again respectful, but um, you know the guy has, uh, I think, you know, definitely got a, a very likable side to him. And being Irish, you know, you can't how do you, how do you not like an Irishman? So Marcus, if we look at that, that's off the course, and they can't swing a club, those guys. But uh, who are your on course? Who are your on course <laughs> leaders? Who are, who are your guys you, when you look at? Um, uh, Europe, and then you look at the USA. Who are those guys that you look to, uh, and the crowd will look to as their key men? Well, I think you should start with the underdogs first, and you look at um, Europe. You know, you, you, you've got to look at. I mean, Rams, you know, the number one player in the world, right? So he's, I mean, he's phenomenal under pressure. Uh, I think you know he, he would be. You know, if there was anybody that would. Want to play the last hole? Um, he's got that Spanish, you know, royalty with you know Ballesteros and the Lafa Bell, so um, he's phenomenal. I think out of the gun, um, so he'd be a leader, and then closely followed with the and the European side. You know, when you look at, I suppose, just the 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 other guys that sit around, it's more the I think the the older guys that are going to really sort of bring the heart, which is the Polter and the Westwood, um, you know, sort of factor, which is to me, um, a big part of the European team. It's the, it's the crack. You know, obviously you've got Rory, uh, who's a who's a big crowd favourite with you know Americans as well. We, you know, lots of people love love Rory. Um, 
And so that, that that would be my sort of you know those kingpins there, you know the Ram, the, the Rory, and then the and then the two older guys who, who you know especially Poulter. I mean he's just he's a he's the epitome of the Ryder Cup, isn't he? Um, he just rises to it. Um, with with America, you know you've got to I suppose look at you know Dustin Johnson's the oldest player, um, probably the most you'd probably say arguably one of the most experienced players. Um, but then you've got you know the the guys that sort of lead and and cusp on the both both ends of the of the spectrum, which is like the Spieth and the and the Thomas, and I think they'll you'll see them together as a as a as partners. You know they've been incredibly successful in both foursomes and and the full ball. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a it's an interesting one. You know you you can't look at um, you know Colin Morikawa's year this year has been. You know, incredible, and obviously Patrick Cantlay, who's played phenomenal the last sort of, you know, form, this is the form guy. So, uh, yeah, their, their depth. I mean, you can go through every player in their team, and it's just, you know, each in their own right of great players. Brooks Koepka. Um, You've got the the uh, polarizing, you know, Bryson DeChambeau. So, yeah, but I think that main core group for for the Americans, you know, will be that, you know, that the the older statesmen of um, of Dustin Johnson and maybe a. a um, Sit around that space of you know Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. I think they they would be the leaders there. Marcus, uh, you're hands on with with Ryan Fox. Um, obviously, it's uh, it's difficult uh, from being so far away. Has not been um, to be honest, and he'd admit to that the year that he's wanted. Uh, but he's battling on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, h- how do you see it? And and uh, with his uh, battle to retain his card, uh, and and what what's uh, for him in the next week or so. Yeah, look, it's it's been an interesting year for you know for obviously New Zealand athletes period, right? Um, so with with COVID and and Ryan and Annika have had a, a little girl at the start of the year in, in January, so you know that's added to um, and you know obviously so there's some great parts to that, but it's also also added to you know a tough sort of time he spent you know two or three months away from from little Isabel, so. Um, they're over there now, which is great, um, and, and, and travelling with um, they're travelling together for the last you know sort of five events. So he's got um, the Dunhill next week. Um, he's he's 96 on the on the money list. He had a had a pretty solid week last week uh, in, in the Dutch and the KLM, and and so that was he finished 15th. So that was a little bit of a, a breather for the card aspect. I think um, you know I think even if he he missed a few cuts coming in. He'd be fine. He still still retain his card for 2022. So I think that probably pressures off in that respect. Um, his main goal is obviously Dubai to get to the you know the race of Dubai, which is the um, the the uh, the big event, which is you got to be in the top 60 to get to that. So he's got a bit of work to do to get there. Um, but yeah, look, it's been the year of to me um, just you know just really close and no cigar. Um, a lot of weeks where he's just had that, you know, one tour round or not quite finished off a round in the way, you know, he had it going and then um, and then sort of came home a little weak or, or, or had a poor start um, in the round. So it's just, yeah, it's been hard for him to get together for some reason. And, and to be honest, you know, we haven't really sort of nailed it uh, exactly the reasons why. Um, but yeah, so it's it, look, it's a tough year for, 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 uh, for, for everybody. And, and obviously I can't go across there and, um, and work with him. Um, so it's it's just been one of those things we've done remotely. He's had a little help, little help from um, some people over there as well. But um, no, it's it's uh, it's interesting. Okay, Marcus. Uh, thanks very much for that. I, I guess as uh, golf fans, we uh, 
we should get used to embrace for a weekend of USA, 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 should we? <laughs> uh, yeah, look, it's, uh, I mean, I've spent a huge amount of time in America in my life and it's, um, you know, those fans, mate, they just, they love it. Um, they get the, the enthusiasms. It's not maybe the, quite the New Zealand way, um, but it is unique to them and um, and they get into it. But yeah, no, I think definitely um, get used to it and otherwise just turn the volume down and watch the match and maybe watch the pictures if you don't like it. <laughs> enjoy it, mate. Hey, enjoy it. No, it's a special time of of, uh, uh, of the year, well, every two years anyway, for, for you in particular and your golf uh, golf buddies. So enjoy the weekend, man. It's a great weekend of sport, but it's my okay. highlight. Good luck. Cheers, man. Thanks, Smithy. Cheers, buddy. Marcus. Yeah, Marcus, Marcus Wheelhouse there, folks. Um, yeah, uh, hands-on uh, with Ryan Fox. Not as hands-on as he wants to be, um, but still doing a great job there and previewing the Ryder Cup for us, 9.46 here on SENZ. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, a number of texts coming in. Uh, wish the TAB would bring back, uh, pick the score for rugby and league, 28 all. Uh, shot Dino. Preach, brother, preach. That's from another Dean. Uh, someone's come in and said, give Dino a $200 TAB voucher for that call. It's Albie. Uh, Dino, uh, you've become a superstar, son. Uh, so stay in touch. A beautiful morning, as always, out here on the back nine at Parapara Umu. I can't wait to see exactly where Fozzie has the ABs. If we can replicate our recent form, we should do a number on the Saffirs. But if we are slightly off with our accuracy, it could have been one of those squeaky bum nights. Bring it on, says Zane. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Smithy, what adds to the intrigue is that we haven't played the box for a couple of years. Aussie beating them takes away a little of the intrigue away. Uh, but absolutely looking forward to it. That fuller just them, that fuller, crack up. Tears down my face. That's Gizzy from uh, Bombay. <laughs> so, Dean, yep, you have uh, become a hit, man. Uh, we must. Must, if you're listening now, we must hear from you on Monday with your review of the match that you couldn't get to. Please, that would be uh, absolutely perfect. Uh, look, uh, USA are a buck 40. You listen to people uh, on this Ryder Cup. You listen to Phil Tolterangi. You listen to Marcus Wheelhouse. You look at, listen to a few of the pundits. USA are buck 40. Europe, 325. Europe, 325 as the holder. Yeah, is there money there? Is there money? Is there money in my multi? Coming up very shortly here on SENZ. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Superman! Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the holder. Know when the folder. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Yes, if you bet live, bet responsibly. Uh, R18, of course, yesterday the Phillies got up and beat the Orioles, so I thought uh, the American sport's been a bit of an issue for us, but I uh, thought, yep, yeah, okay, we're on the track. And then the Chicago Fire, I picked them to draw with New England at $3.60. Well, New England got up uh, late in the game and beat them uh, 3-2. to two. So that was the end of that, uh, fair and square. Uh, but we don't go too bad at the weekends, to be honest. We steer clear of uh, American sport. Um, surely tempted to, to throw a little bit of Europe in, in the Ryder Cup, but I haven't. I've gone back to the core stuff. So here we go. Tasman to beat Waikato tonight, uh, $1.22. Manly to beat the Souths at two oh five. There's value there. That's uh, John Day's contribution to um, the, the multi this weekend. Silver Ferns to beat England uh, tonight uh, to turn it around and win at $1.50. 
Uh, Melbourne, the Storm to beat the, Pan- to beat the Panthers, $1.33. I believe uh, that on form uh, is almost a lay down. Uh, Manawatu, Manawatu, mighty Manawatu, the Turbos to beat Northland, uh, $1.34. And Horofanua Kapiti to beat North Otago uh, and Grassroots Rugby at a buck thirty-three. Total return, $8.89. $8.89. Uh, so that's our, our multi for the day. Uh, also, uh, really, we're going to look at, uh, what are we looking after? We're looking at uh, pugilism. We're looking at the UFC uh, after the news with Trudy. Mike Angove, uh, uh, the man they call Lightning Mike, is going to come in with uh, some aspects on that. How about it, uh, Israel Adesanya coming out and saying he'll never, ever fight in New Zealand again, that our MIQ system is farcical, a flag is ugly, uh, he's bitter, and he's really only standing up for his mate Dan the Hangman Hooker. Mm. So he was uh, very pointed in that, uh, and I'm sure Mike Angove will have uh, some sort of opinion on, on that and how it unfolded. Tell you a story too, I spoke to Mike Hessen yesterday uh, about MIQ spots. Something I don't quite understand about it. Actually lots of things I don't understand it, but one thing to add more to the puzzle. 10 o'clock here on SENZ and uh, with Kubota. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.03 here on SENZ as we head through to midday uh, where Mark Stafford, of course, uh, takes over. Izzy, and we're not talking dag here, we're talking about uh, Izzy Adesanya, was never going to fight New Zealand anyway, says Liam. He's a global superstar and the UFC can't make money by staging fights, his fights here at home. Uh, taking the proverbial out of the country that gave him huge opportunities uh, is, gonna get him, is not going to get him any fans and it's not going to help his fight against the government. Yeah, well, it's, uh, he's not fighting a lone battle there, but uh, he's a pretty prominent voice in it. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's not going to help. Uh, and I'll just say, uh, I will say, uh, whilst we're just waiting for Mike uh, Angove to, to pick up, uh, I spoke to another Mike, Mike Hessen, yesterday. Of course, uh, he's in Dubai, uh, and he's looking after uh, the IPL in terms of Royal Challengers Bangalore. Uh, he tried the other night, said it was a waste of a day. Uh, he's trying to get home and the MIQ system. Absolute waste of a day. He got pretty close. He got to around uh, 356, and I thought, well, that's okay, so next time... You'll be further up the line. He said, no, you go back to scratch. You go back to scratch. My 356 of waiting this time around means absolutely nothing next time around. Uh, so I, I thought to myself, isn't that a bit weird? Isn't that a bit weird? Uh, doesn't that demonstrate you'd be desperate and trying to get home for longer than those other people? No, no, it doesn't. Uh, so blow me down. Anyway, great news. Uh, it's a great weekend, uh, a massive weekend for fight fans. Sunday uh, morning New Zealand time, Anthony Joshua uh, puts his heavyweight boxing belts on the line against Alessandro Usyk. Uh, and then later that afternoon, it's UFC 266 featuring our very own Dan the Hangman Hooker. And now I'm pleased to say Lightning Mike Angover is on the line. Most respected commentator, city boxing, uh, city kickboxing trainer, former world champion. Uh, so many titles uh, for, for Mike Angover. Good morning to you, uh, Mike. First of all, can we start with Izzy Adesanya? Quite outspoken, isn't he? Uh, and uh, says he'll never fight in New Zealand again. 
Well, he's certainly frustrated, obviously. Um, I haven't spoken to him since he since he said that. But the the reality of the logistics right now is that that's, that's impossible. Um, you know, uh, when we talked about bringing uh, the UFC here, which would be a major production, of, of course, um, it, it's just impossible uh, because of the... MIQ system, and you know that's a necessary evil, if you like. Um, so, so that's certainly off the table uh, under the current pandemic situation. I think his frustration is is born out of uh, what appears to be the inconsistency of of the way things are weighted um, in terms of uh, what happened with the the original training bubble, um, how. You know, what seemed like a, a sensible solution that wasn't putting, uh, you know, the country's health at risk that had previously been approved. Um, the, the, the goalpost shifted on that, um, which essentially did two things. It, it robbed the ability of us to uh, arrange for hockey to go overseas in an earlier date um, and, and train over there and take a, take a group over there. Um, so we, we couldn't do that. And obviously it put him in a situation where uh, he only fights once or twice a year um, and uh, put him in a situation where, like many others, and I'm not um, accounting for you know the difficulties that many people are facing, um, you know, uh, he, he, he could potentially go bankrupt. So, you know, those things are, are a pretty serious scenario. So when people get desperate, um, you know, you, you get... Uh, different situations happening and I think that was quite an avoidable situation I think we come back to what can we do that is sensible uh, a sensible solution to a difficult situation that isn't endangering health Um, remembering that we as a a crew uh, have operated uh, for the past 18 months under some pretty extensive quarantine conditions in both countries we're probably the most tested group in the country Um, you know, I myself have had about 40 COVID tests. Um, so when you when you look at that, um, you have to say, you know, surely as a country, rather than scapegoating a group, and I've got no doubt that there was an element of scapegoating here, um, that we could look at a sensible solution. Unfortunately, whenever we've approached Sports New Zealand, um, who who are very very helpful, but their hands are tied, and we've been we've been told that um, when we've looked for you know, different alternate options. Um, so, again, um, surely we should be looking at sensible solutions, um, you know, where they aren't endangering the country, where they aren't endangering health. Um, if that's possible, I think we just need to see a bit of a shift in mindset. Well, you're a team. Uh, you train out of uh, a, a, a gym, City Kickboxing, which is uh, the highest profile, one of the highest profile sports teams uh, competing overseas. Uh, the, you know, and you look at it and you, and you see uh, the Black Caps, the All Blacks, the Silver Ferns of late getting preferential treatment. Um, how, how do you feel about that? Um, I think what you want to see is consistency. And the re- I, I know why that's occurred and it's based on, uh, probably as, as you're aware, you're aware it's based on economic value brought into the country. Um, and also, to a certain extent, the, the size of the teams. Now, personally, I don't necessarily begrudge that, um, but um, it's certainly, one, it 
it was a very high bar for for an exclusionary basis because obviously, um, you know, Silver Ferns will have TV deals in New Zealand, so will the cricket team, um, and obviously the ABs as as well. So that makes it uh, that makes it an, an elite club. Um, I think in terms of making that economic argument, aside from the uh, the the revenue that Israel would bring uh, in terms of pubs and bars, which are stacked out when he's fighting similar for hooker, um, that makes it a, a difficult road to hoe. I think the criteria um, from a from a uh, from a fairness perspective could be looked at in a in a different way. Um, and you know, uh, and this is not just sports this is for people who have to travel overseas in order to earn a living you know there, there's a lot of people who have been impacted by this and and let's not uh stop at the point where i'm saying hey sports people are special and we should have special treatment we should come back to economically these guys who have to live um and and travel overseas in order to earn a living uh, is there a way we can look at doing that better is there a way that we can minimise suffering rather than creating an us and them environment where people, um, you know, where people are like, well, I'm suffering, so that person should suffer too. We need to have a bit of a change in mindset. And I think that would be a really valuable thing for, for us as a country. Extending that be kind as a motto, perhaps to be kind and be sensible um, if you're in the uh, bureaucracy and in the legis- legis- legislation-making um, capacity. Yeah, oh, it's a, it is a, a, an interesting subject and, and a great debate. Uh, Mike, can we just move uh, on to the fights this weekend? Uh, and for Dan, as you mentioned, it's been far from ideal. Uh, he's only just basically left for Las Vegas and he fights on Sunday, for goodness sake. Uh, what about uh, his last-minute build-up? Because normally... You like to be quite settled going into a fight. He can hardly be that. Oh, it's very difficult. Um, you know, uh, obviously, you need training partners. You need space. Um, you need the right equipment around you. Um, you know, and he was faced with a difficult situation where, in spite of the fact that he lives in the neighbourhood of his gym, he couldn't actually even go to his gym on his own to use the equipment there. So his build-up has been in his garage with a flatmate holding pads for him and working with him. Right, so that, uh, let's look at the... Fo- not, yeah. not easy. Sorry. The... <laughs> no, not far from easy. What, what about his opponent? Uh, he is the favourite, uh, we understand, for the fight. Uh, tell us about his opponent. Oh look, Nazrat, he's, he's up and coming, he's a left-hander, he's short, he's fast, he's powerful, he's actually very, very dangerous, it's a dangerous fight for Dan, simply because the guy he is uh, fighting um, is, is he, although he's untested at the higher realms, he uh, has a lower ranking, Dan's on a must-win situation, um, and, and this guy's on fire at the moment. You know, he's been blitzing his opponent. So it makes it a, a, extremely tough. I'd just like to note, too, obviously, with Nasrat, um, his mother died uh, recently. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, a difficult build-up for, for him in many ways. So I'd just like to acknowledge that for him and his situation. But Dan should have the skills to beat him. Uh, with a normal camp, I would say, look, I, um, 
you know, I, I think Dan will beat him handily. Um, with the difficulties he's experienced, this makes this fight not only critical career-wise, um, but, you know, it, it's very hard to predict. But one thing we know with Hooker is, uh, um, you know, he, he's, he's tougher. He's tough as teak. Um, his, his mindset's indomitable, um, you know, and, and he would rather die than give up a fight. Part of the city kickboxing stable is uh, the Aussie fighter, Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, he's the main event on Sunday, defending his uh, featherweight title against Brian Ortega. How do you see this one playing out? Uh, look, Ortega, everyone's hailing him as the second coming because he had a great performance against a Korean fighter. Um, but the Korean fighter in many ways was tailor-made for him. Uh, Ortega did show uh, better striking diversity. He showed uh, good fight IQ. He was able to switch. All those things. But Alex Volkanovsky is a different beast. Uh, Max Holloway beat the living tar out of Ortega in their first fight for fourth-round stoppage. Um, and obviously, Alex has two victories over uh, Max Holloway, one which was very, very clear, the other one which is an extremely close fight that could have gone either way. Um, so Volkanovsky uh, has a big point to prove uh, in terms of just establishing his legacy. Against a guy, we don't know how he will go at this top level again. This is his second step up. Uh, so, you know, I favour uh, Alex, absolutely. He's got the power, he's got the gas tank. Um, the question is, can Ortega step up a level and, uh, you know, and make that fight, um, you know, in, into sort of the, the, the Holloway kind of classic. Um, but mm. I, I would edge, uh, edge Volk on that one. Okay, let's uh, can we pop across to, uh, to boxing now, uh, Mike. And uh, Antony Joshua, pride of Great Britain, puts his belts on the line against uh, Alexander Usyk at uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. This weekend, uh, the Ukrainian cleaned out the cruiserweight division, but it's a step up for him. Uh, is he big enough to trouble Joshua, in your opinion? Uh, look, he, he, he's, a, he's a big, tall guy. Um, he's very skilled, and he's a southpaw. Um, he will be used to being the underdog, um, and he will be comfortable with, with that facet. Uh, the, the question comes down to, to a couple of things. Is... How will AJ impose his physical presence? And Usyk knows he's going to come on strong early. But Usyk has a particular style. He, he's a very, very good technician, whereby he starts a little slow. He gets his rhythm. He works his southpaw angles. And then he, and then he comes on strong um, from mid-rounds onwards. Um, if he can create difficulties for Joshua, not allow him to get his feet set, keep him turning, take the power away from him, uh, then it takes him into territory that Joshua, frankly, hasn't been in too often. Uh, I think he went into the 11th with Klitschko. He obviously did 12 with, um, uh, with, with Joseph, and he outpointed uh, Ruiz. Now, this is no Ruiz. He's not going to sit on the outside and pop him with the jab. So it's a very interesting fight. I favour Anthony Joshua, but, um, but Usyk, you know, he's a different character as well. He's not intimidated by it. He's, he's slightly eccentric. If, if you looked at him in the photos leading up this week, you'd think he's the kind of guy you absolutely wouldn't want to meet in Hannibal Lecter's garage. Uh, he looks slightly mm. psychotic. Um, but, but look, I reckon it's a fascinating fight. 
the last South Ball I remember for Joshua was when he fought Charles Martin, um, and he handled him really well. Uh, obviously, Usyk's a big step up from from Charles Martin, but but AJ did handle the South Ball well. He did handle, uh, you know, slipping to a different side and throwing the right down the tubes. So yeah, there's some good options there. Just finally, uh, just finally, Mike. During the week, uh, or just earlier last week, in fact, uh, uh, a December rematch for Joe Parker and Derek Chisora. Uh, will we have to see a change in attitude, a change in technique from Parker? Uh, look, I think he just needs to he needs to control from early. You know, uh, a little bit of a difficult situation last time. We're talking about guys who are coming out of long layoffs, uh, you know, lockdown scenarios. Derek Chisora is what Derek, you know, we know what he's going to bring. Joe needs to get on the front foot early. He needs to dictate the pace with his jab, but he also needs to dictate in a controlled manner where he doesn't try and blow his pennies too early um, and, and keep Derek on, on the back foot. He's, he's dangerous, he's going to get on the inside, he's going to be dirty, but we know what he's going to bring. The one thing we do know with, with Joe Parker is he has the ability to get off the canvas. He's done this on two occasions. Um, you know, obviously with Dillian White, he got off the canvas and almost stopped him late. He did it against Chisora. So we know he has that internal combustion engine that just keeps him going. So... So that's an, an interesting facet. I've just got my kids uh, upstairs running around like nuts, so I'm going to look forward to the conversation I have with them when we're off this one. <laughs> hey, we'll let you, hey, Mike, thanks so much. We'll let you go and clean up, uh, clean up that job. Uh, thank, yeah, thanks for your time this morning. Yet. Yeah, you're on to it, no mate. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> Enjoy the weekend of uh, pugilism. Uh, I'm sure everyone will. Uh, Mike Ango there, folks. Uh, uh, our guest in terms of uh, analysing what's coming up. Massive weekend of, of fights, to be fair. There are not many that aren't, but uh, certainly a lot of Kiwis involved this time around. 10.19 uh, here on SENZ. Panel time shortly. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. And uh, on such a, a weekend of monumental rugby, and I say that without hesitation, uh, I couldn't have two more apt panellists, I believe, than Mark Hinton and Jimmy Kays. Uh, Mark Hinton, good morning to you. What does this match, what does this rivalry mean to you with uh, your history of, of writing about the game? Yeah, it means a heck of a lot. <laughs> it means a heck of a lot to all New Zealanders, doesn't it? Look, this is the special one, um, and it's... Look, it's been, a little, I won't say undermined, but I think a little bit of the gloss has been taken off it by what South Africa's done in the last couple of matches, losing to the Wallabies. But it's still special. It's, and it's special for multiple reasons, isn't it, Smithy? The hundredth test, the hundred years of this great match-up. Um, they can win the rugby championship and steal another title there. And just as, a, for me... Above all that, ultimate measuring stick for this team of Ian Fosters that is travelling so well in 2021. We couldn't have asked for anything more from them this year. Look, I was lining up with everyone else firing the barbs last year when they were very inconsistent. This year they have been absolutely fabulous and they are right on track um, in terms of what you know, Foster's hoping to build for 2023. They are travelling very, very well, but I think this weekend and next gives us 
the best barometer just how good this All Blacks team is because we know the South Africans will front. We know they won't be the uh, the rabble they were last week and the undisciplined unit they were the week before in losing those games to the Wallabies. So most of all, there's so much attached to this game. But for me, this tells me what I want to know about these All Blacks. Jimmy, in your perspective, uh, you know, you've, you've studied the history of the game uh, on many, many occasions. Is it just a little different for you as well when you'll be sitting at home watching? It's a little different for a few reasons, uh, and good morning to everyone. Um, you know, the fact that it's in Townsville and, and not in South Africa or in New Zealand, I mean, imagine this game at Alice Park with another Boeing jumbo jet going over the top or, or something like that. So that, that's a little bit sad. Um, listening to Mark, I mean, the first part of what he said about how they haven't been playing well, I totally agree, and it makes me a little bit nervous because uh, chaps I can remember riding with some confidence in 2007 uh, ahead of the quarterfinal against France, that the All Blacks had beaten France eight times in a row and France are a rabble and all that sort of thing. Uh, but as Mark said toward the end of his comments then, you know, South Africa, they're just such a good team, you can't really discount them. They are the world champions. They've been playing very, very poorly. Uh, and I certainly expect them to lose. And, 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 I, and you know, um, and I actually hope that the All Blacks give them a bit of a pasting, really, because I think that we need to show that, that the style of rugby that they're playing is... You know, look, it's got a place in the game, but it's not a style that I that I want to see. But, boy, oh boy, it makes me nervous when I start to get confident ahead of a test match against South Africa. They are a fantastic team. And, guys, we've, we've all been lucky enough to go to South Africa. There is, I don't think, anything that really matches, um, a, you know, the feel of a test match at, at Loftus Versfeld or at Alice Park. Just getting to some of these grounds is an achievement in itself of getting away from them. You know, there's some... There's some great coliseums over there, and, and, and I think playing New Zealand versus South Africa, as Mark said, it is the ultimate test. Um, you know, Sean Fitzpatrick said in the track I've done for Sky, you don't really measure yourself as an All Black until you've played South Africa and beaten South Africa. Mm. Yeah, well, those memories of Fitzy pounding the turf back, uh, and, oh, uh, and those, yeah. uh, it was, uh, I mean, look, well, let's look at that then, Jimmy. Is it? Perhaps is, is that our greatest achievement against the Springboks to this point? Yeah, I think it is. I, I, I definitely think it is. Um, you know, winning in South Africa was so hard to do up until that point, um, and that kind of broke the, the shackles, didn't it, a little bit. Um, they were an incredibly well-prepared team. They were, they were a fantastic rugby side. I mean, any side that has Jonah Lomu sitting in the stands, you know it's got to be a good team. They'd won the last Tri-Nations test going into the series, uh, so they actually played four test matches in a row, and uh, and and that was a, a wonderful team against you know the world champions. Um, and I've been lucky in the last few days. I've spoken to Fitzy about. I've spoken to John Preston about. Spoken to Cobus Visa, who was in the South African team. And man, the, the, it was just huge for those guys. You know, absolutely huge. I mean, let's not forget John Preston came on in that pivotal test match in Pretoria. He had no time to warm up. He came down the back of the stand, walked out onto the field to, to, to replace Simon Culhane, and his first touch of the ball was to kick a penalty. I mean, it, there was just drama everywhere. Fitzy talked about the last 10 minutes and, and how they'd gone toe-to-toe, blow-for-blow, and then in the last 10 minutes, they just had to defend and defend and defend, and, and, they, and they won it, and, and he thumps the ground. There is no... That's an iconic mm. moment in, in all-black rugby, isn't it? Thumping the ground. It was, it was mm. brilliant. What a series. What a series! What, what about what about you, Mark? Uh, uh, is there a special moment for you, or, or, or even a, a, a most respected Springbok that you could talk about? We so often talk about the All Blacks. 
Well, my my memories of uh, of watching the Springboks All Blacks go back. This dates me a little bit, but go back to 1976. That's the first kind of All Blacks series that really stuck in my memory. Um, I was a young boy in Dunedin. I was probably what was I, 76, 12, um, 11 or 12. Uh, I remember watching Laurie Maines, Otago's finest, rather struggling a little bit on that tour, um, and just thinking how hard it was to win over there. I mean, it was a pretty good All Blacks team. I mean, it wasn't an epic sort of you know, generational type team, but they were pretty good, um, and they just they just really struggled. And of course, you know, the refereeing. It was the, they were the 16th men. How hard it was to not only beat the box. But to get calls going your way, so so it stuck with me then just how difficult it was. And of course, we had the we had the uh, period where there just wasn't a lot of contest between the two countries. And 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 yeah, returning to '96, that was a special All Blacks team. They, they lost one test in two years. That's how good they were. Um, just a fabulous team. I know that it all came unstuck in '98, '99 for for them as people started to retire and drop out. But that team of, of 96 and 97 were very, very good, by far the best team in the world. And they struggled to win over there. I mean, it took everything they had. That's how hard it is. That's, you know, and since then, since then, the tables have turned, haven't they? Look, the All Blacks, I think, um, if we look through the record book, the All Blacks have won eight of the last 10 against the box and 16 of the last 20. So it is... It, History tells you, Smithy, that it's not as tough as it was, and it probably isn't. But if you look at, at those scores of those games, so many close games, and you look at how many of those games in the last 10 or so years, especially in South Africa, have gone deep into the contest, into the last five to 10 minutes, the All Blacks have had to make big plays to win and have been good enough to do it. Look, it is a fan, fantastic rivalry. It's not quite as, as, as even as it once was. But the, this is still the team that I believe pushes the All Blacks the hardest. And I think back to that 96 series, as Jim so eloquently spoke about, um, it really did leave an abiding memory on, I think, all, all All Blacks fans, all fans of rugby, just how captivating and how difficult that series was um, to take part in and how special, how special it was. I, you know, it still rings out. And I think, um, despite the All Blacks' dominance, I, like Jim, expect the box to front, I expect them to revert to type, and I expect them to push the All Blacks deep into this contest, but not be good enough to win it. Mark Hinton and Jim Hayes with us at the moment. We'll take a short break uh, for the news with Trudy when we come back. A, a couple of other issues. It's 10.33 here on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Yeah, Mark Hinton and Jimmy Kay's with us uh, this morning, uh, part two now of the panel. And uh, Jim, uh, it's been interesting. Uh, Israel Adesanya has been uh, throwing a few blows outside the ring at the New Zealand government in particular. Yeah, I, I can understand his frustration, but I think it's a step too far when you start accusing people of things like racism. Um, you know, what he's upset about is that some of his UFC mates weren't able to train together and that they've struggled to get MIQ coming back from their fight, from their fights. And he sort of pointed the finger at cricket and rugby and said, oh, it's all very well for cricket and rugby, you know, they, they get theirs. Well, I mean, they booked theirs, well, you know, 10 months in advance and, and even then they've been struggling. Rugby league's been struggling. Everyone's been struggling. Everyone is struggling. 
I don't think it's 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 fair, it's accurate, and really it's, it's it's a Kiwi way of doing things to come out calling people racist just because your particular mates can't get an MIQ spot. I think he's he's off the mark there. I think it's disappointing from him, not overly surprising. Um, but yeah, I looked at that and thought, mate, you haven't done yourself yourself a service there because there's a lot of people that can't get MIQ, and it's certainly not racism. Um, Mark Hinton, let's go to basketball briefly. Uh, announcement during the week uh, that they're going to add to the, the French flavour already there with uh, the Sky New Zealand Breakers uh, next year with the signing of Hugo Besson. This is exciting. Absolutely. Uh, they're, they're, they're building a really interesting team. Uh, you know, big news this week with the release of Ty Webster around his anti-vaccination start. Um you know, that that sort of rang true. And, and I think it's a wee bit of a peek about what's coming down the line across all sports in the next year or so. Um, but that they've replaced Ty Webster with um, with some quality. This kid, 20 years old, about 6'5", uh, combo guard, plays both the point guard and two guard. Real quality, led the French second division um, in, in scoring, which is a you know pretty decent sort of... Uh, up-and-coming type league in Europe. Um, he, he's quality. They've got a quality American, a veteran American point guard. They're going after um, a third import now with the money that Ty Webster freed up. So they're, they're building a really good roster, um, Smithy. And another kid to keep an eye on, another French kid, uh, 18 years old, Ousmane Dieng, picks to go number 14 in next year's NBA draft. Breakers... Uh, attempting to become the first team outside of, I think, the US to to put two people into the NBA uh, draft um, in the first round of the NBA draft next year. So they could have two people that go into into the biggest league in the world off the back of seasons in the Australian NBL. That's how good these two are. This other kid is Mundi Yang, 18 years old, six foot ten, plays the guard spot basically, or is a sort of a two-three man on the basketball court. They have a lot of young, exciting talent and a glimpse of sort of the way basketball's going. Now looking at Europeans as much as Americans to bring in and add to the local flavour. So really, it's going to be a really interesting squad, uh, a nice balance of experience. And this youth, this 20-year-old, this 18-year-old, they're going to be guys on the way up. So um, if they can actually get a season going, because under the COVID cloud, it is not easy, they'll be worth watching. Interesting point you raised too uh, about the freedom of choice to have a vaccine or not to have a vaccine, Mark, in a team sport environment. That's what this has boiled down to, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, the really interesting thing here is that uh, leagues and teams are not making the rules here, are not setting mandates. They're leaving it to governments to effectively do that. They don't, they don't believe they are going to have to because basically if you... Um, are not uh, going to be vaccinated, you are not going to have freedom of travel and effectively not going to be able to play professional sport. So, um, yeah, watch this space. Ty Webster's uh, the, the first in a major sport, I believe, but he is definitely not going to be the last. And we're already seeing it crop up in the NRL. And guys, that's Folks, not you, uh, just to jump in on that. I mean, Smithy, you've done this trip. If you go to, mm. if you go to Argentina and then go from there to South Africa, you need to have a yellow fever jab. So, you know, having a vaccination is not new in terms of travel, and some of these uh, professional athletes will just need to get their heads around the, the fact that if they want to continue in the sport, they're going to have to get jabbed up. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, uh, Jimmy, 
Uh, and for folks at home, by the way, if you're if you're in your BP station, your superettes, your supermarkets, you will find uh, on the bookshelf section uh, New, New Zealand Rugby's latest publication. Uh, it's written by a bloke by the name of Jimmy Kays. It's called Rugby's New Zealand's Greatest Fifteen. Uh, tell us a, a wee bit about your book, Jim. Oh, thanks, Ian. It's um, well, it's off the back of the the show that we did uh, on the breakdown, where you know between the a panel and the public, they picked their greatest fifteen, and I've written about the seventy five uh, greatest All Blacks. Um, it's been fascinating, absolutely fascinating, to go back and and remind yourself on on just how wonderful some of the players are. Uh, from back in the day, um, and you know, boy, we've had some depth of players, and and you just wonder. You know, I think I firmly believe that if you take a great player from any era, they'll be a great player in today's era. You know, if you'd had Fred Allen, who only played a handful of Test matches, and you put him into this modern environment, he'd be brilliant. How good would Colin Meads have been with proper training and uh, nutrition, and and being able to just dedicate himself to playing rugby? So. It's been wonderful to write. I've really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, it's on sale um, across a wide range of, you know, shops, as, as you say. So hopefully people get out there and buy it. And, and, and hopefully they disagree with some of the, the selections because that's the beauty of sport, isn't it? We can all have an opinion on who's the greatest. Well, I think the greatest first five has been sorted, but, you know, the greatest whoever it is and, and, and have a discussion and a debate about it. And, and that's, that's what I love about sport. And, mate, I can give a, I'll give a copy away on your show. You, you decide... Uh, who your best caller is over the morning, and uh, let me know, and we'll send them a copy of the of the book. Uh, Jim, very generous, mate. Thank you very much. We will certainly do that, uh, folks. Uh, look out for that book, New Zealand's Greatest Fifteen, uh, and it's uh, in BP's service station, Superettes Supermarkets. Jim Kays, thank you very much for your time this morning. Mark Hinton, also, thank you very much. And fellas, uh, I know how much this test match is, uh, how special it's going to be for you, as much as anybody else. Uh, enjoy the weekend of sport. Thank you. That was the panel here on SENZ. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Folks, if you're having a birthday around New Zealand, uh, listening to us here on SENZ, have a great day. Do you realise you share it with Arthur Guinness, who was born on this day in 1725, and he invented Guinness. Tommy Armour, legendary golfer, he was born on this day, as was F. Scott Fitzgerald. Who hasn't heard of F. Scott Fitzgerald, the famous author? You might have heard of uh, Ayatollah Khomeini. He was born on this day. Sammy Gillen, Simpson Gillen, played Test cricket for the West Indies and New Zealand. Linda McCartney of Wings, wife, wife of Paul McCartney. And how about Jerry Marsden? Jerry Marsden from Jerry and the Pacemakers.
God. Absolutely magnificent, and I hate Liverpool, but it's just so superb, isn't it? Uh, look, but the, the most significant birthday for us here on SENZ today is that of Brian Rariri. Yeah, Brian. Uh, he is the backbone. He's the backbone. You, Slide on you. over. Slide on over. Come to the microphone, son. Come to the microphone. Slide on over here. Uh, significant for us. Folks, this is the man that when you ring in or text in, this is the bloke that handles all that correspondence. Uh, Brian, how are you going to celebrate your weekend, man? Uh, fish and chips tonight with the boy, with, with, with my Fantastic. son. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, mate, perfect. Is that his request or yours? Uh, a bit of both, really, yeah. A bit of both. We'll go pop down to the local mum and pa fish and chip shop. <laughs> mate, looking forward hey, to well, it. Because you're, you're a Hawks Bay boy, mate. Born Absolutely. Born Hawks Bay. Absolutely. Yeah. Hastings boys. Absolutely. Yeah, mate, you're amazing, eh? And uh, tell us what tell us what you like most about the job. Um, the, the, these you're working on this show. I just uh, just love it. I love uh, doing taking care of the social media. I love love the, I love when you start telling your stories about the past. You got some amazing stories on you, Smithy. Oh, especially those ones we can't put on air. But hey, <laughs> those are my hey, favourite. Yes, right. Don't spoil the segment, Bri. Don't spoil the segment. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, and, of course, uh, everyone wishes uh, and joins with us, uh, the whole, whole team, Brian. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Enjoy those fish and chips, my friend. Uh, you Louis deserve next. them. I know that you will. Uh, absolutely great. Um, we'll take a short break, and uh, when we come back, we come back with another of uh, SENZ's favourite sons, Louis Herman Watt and Paul Mawati from the TAB. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Yeah, visit Love Racing, visit Louie Herman Watt. That's what we do at this time of the day. Matamata Awapuni tomorrow. Rose Hill, Sandown. Just a, a few of the features in a huge a weekend of sport. It's a behemoth for racing as well, Louie. Smithy, it's massive. It's a huge weekend uh, across the ditch. Golden Rose, of course. Animo going at it. We've got the Underwood. We have Probabil and the Chosen One, which makes up, do the math, 100%. So the 20 carry the 3. I can't do the math. Is it 40% of a Group 1 field, which is New Zealanders? So you think it's a million-dollar stakes race. So that's, that's a lot of cash. It's a lot of cash, and probably it's probably going to run second, I would imagine. Uh, Zaki will win. I think we, we all know that. Anyway, it's huge. Elephant also, I think, will win at um, Sandown. I don't think if I said Caulfield, I meant Sandown. Anyway, back home, Smithy, Matamata. There's a couple on an each-way basis I'm a little bit interested in. Race three, Angelica. Richie came on the show this morning and said the wetter the better, and it sounds like it will be a heavy track at Matamata. They've had lots of rain, so that's $4.80 and $2. I assure Assume some horses will come out of this. There will be scratchings and deductions. But Barrier 6, Joe Camerudin, in excellent form. And in race 7, it's the open handicap. It's a $40,000 2,000-meter race. Timberlake on an each-way basis. I think we backed it two starts ago when it ran second. And it's actually taken some betting already. $9 into $8. It touched $7.50. The wetter, the better again. So I'm I'm doing some form for a heavy track. And if it is, Sam Collett, Peter and Dawn Williams, number 10 in race 7, Timberlake each way. 
Have a great weekend, Louis. Thanks very much for your input. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Well, we're heading into week four of the Bunnings NPC. It's taken a while to get there, admittedly, but we are. And two-time defending champions, Tasman, are in a familiar position at the top of the premiership table with three from three. Uh, joining us now is uh, the Marco co-captain of First Five, Mitch Hunt. Uh, thanks very much for joining us, Mitch. Uh, I guess so far, so good in terms of results. Yeah, it's been a great start so far. Um, you know, we, we talked about earlier in the comp, uh, those first two games for us, uh, Bay of Plenty and, and uh, in Auckland there. Um, you know, if we could get over those hurdles early, it uh, really does set up a, a good season moving forward. Um and obviously moving to, to, to Northland last week, um, good to get a bit of the, the team rust out. First game back after our bit of lockdown. So, uh, no, great start all in all for sure. Yeah, well, you scored 48 points, which is great. That'll win most games. But the 29 you conceded, uh, just a bit rusty in some of those defensive areas? Yeah, I think so, mate. Um, like I say, you know, it's been a, been a few weeks for, for everyone to get back into things, to gel. Um, to get used to a bit of those team systems again. So um, we've had a really good week this week. We've addressed some of those um, issues that we want to be better at. So um, I'm really looking forward to, to getting out against Waikato and, and seeing what we can do. Well, your depth's been tested this year, of course, uh, with uh, the, the All Blacks being away. Will Jordan, Seville Reese, David Harvey, Finlay, Christie, um, and just to name but some. How have you been coping without those big names? Yeah, obviously that was a there was a bit of um, talk, you know, at the start of the season that we were going to potentially be losing, um, you know, those all, those boys to the All Blacks, and um, although that's a big chunk out of our leadership, um, I, I think what's been great is our depth. Um, we've got some fresh faces in the environment, some some keen young guys to learn and that, that they want to play. So um, our environment's been great. Um, we've got a great leadership group. You know, myself and Quinny, they're co-captaining, which has been fantastic to, to, to work alongside him. And um, they've actually been really, really stoked with how the group's been getting on. And like I say, there's there's a lot of this younger talent who are eager to get their hands on, on game time. And uh, we've just been seeing that with how well they've been training and, and playing out on the field too. So it's been fantastic. Well, one of those young guys is, of course, Lester Fahanganuku, who's having a hell of a, a time of it in rugby at the moment, creating such a big pressure impression with the Crusaders he's, mate, he's only 21 years of age uh, how, how good could he be <laughs> yeah mate, he's an absolute freak um, you know I think you could see his enthusiasm on the in the Northland game where he just looked like every second touch was was him in and around the ball he wants to carry he carries hard and like you say he's, he's still only young um, you know he works really hard on his game to be in, in great shape, and, and you can see that by the way he plays. So I'm excited for, for you know for his future potential as well, and you know maybe in the next few years we might see him in a him in a black jersey as well, which would be great. Waikato a little bit unlucky last week uh, against Canterbury, mate. How do you rate them as a team? What do you need to look out for? Yeah, uh, obviously that that could have uh, definitely gone either way there for that Canterbury game. Um, Look, they're an exciting team. They've, they've got an exciting back three. Um, their halves pairing is exciting. They've got a physical pack. Um, look, I think if, if, if we slack off in, in sort of any area, um, they're going to punish us. So I think for us, it's about sticking tight, 
Um, like I say, learning from, from last week, we've had a great training week. Um, I think we need to up our intensity as a whole um, in terms of our physicality. And look, I just think it's going to be a great battle. So I can't wait to get stuck in. Look, Fletcher Smith, uh, of course, is uh, their pivot. Uh, how did you make that into that match last week, just by the by? If it was you kicking that goal, would you have calmed down by now? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was quite funny. I had the, the, the rest in the Northern game. We actually chatted about it mid-game. Um, look, tough decision. Um, I, I sort of, I would have been, I would have taken the decision either way, but obviously for, for Fletch, that, that would have been extremely frustrating, and, and I can see his, his side of that as well as a kicker. Everyone's got their own routines and the way they like to kick, so um, they'll be hurting from that loss, and, and I'm sure they'll be wanting to, to put a good performance out, hopefully to not be in that position. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it's tough for them, and, and they'll be wanting to, to come out strong and, and get a win against us, that's for sure. Well, you're both uh, Nelson College boys. Did, did your paths cross at all before he went down to Christchurch? Um, yeah, it was more in, more in our junior teams. We played... Um, we played and won a, a South Island under-16s together. Um, we, we were juniors, played in sort of an under-15 uh, team together at school, but we never quite made sort of the – he was sort of gone before I'd made that first 15. So always sort of battled against him, um, you know, in the later years, and, and he's a great player too. So I, I always look forward to uh, getting up against him, that's for sure. Do you still keep in touch with Nelson? I see they had a great win over Christ not long ago to win the Crusaders Cup. Do you, you follow it at all? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. They, um, they've had a great few years and I always get a bit jealous of the teams over the last few years because uh, I'd made two, two finals and didn't quite get, get the win. So I'm stoked to see that the college doing well in that aspect and, and a lot of great players coming through, um, you know, the likes of Anton Signer in the, in the last couple of years, now, now with us at the Marco. So... Um, I do follow it closely, and uh, you know I'm excited for their their South Island final this weekend too. So you've taken on this uh, leadership role. Um, do you like it? Would you like it? Take it to the Highlanders as well? Yeah, it's it's definitely different for sure. I can I definitely respect um, you know the leaders in those higher teams and how much work they have to do. But um, I'm really enjoying the the sort of the co-captain role. You know, I, I think as a in the first five, naturally, there's a lot of leadership about the team, you know, in terms of driving the team and, and attack side of things, etc. So I'm really enjoying working with Quinny Strange and, and sort of offloading a little bit of that leadership and sharing it amongst ourselves. And uh, I do enjoy it. So, yeah, for sure, that, that would be something, um, you know, to look forward to in the future, fingers crossed. Mitch, you know, you're, you're 26 now. Your, your game's at a really good level consistently. It has been for quite some time. Uh, what what are your goals still going forward? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, I, I guess the, the the black jersey, the the thought of that is, is still in my head, and and obviously hence that that being the the move from the Crusaders. Uh, I wanted to get out of my comfort zone and and really uh, test myself, especially at that Super Rugby level, test myself to to see if I could compete. So um, I guess that that dream is still still in the back of my mind and. Um, like you say, I feel like I'm at a, at a reasonably consistent level now, but I still want to grow and be better. And, and while I'm here at Tasman, um, that's still that, that goal as well, just to keep getting better and, and keep growing that game for sure. So, well, I've got to ask you this because I'm a Hawks Bay boy. I'm a Bay boy. Uh, on Saturday, <laughs> the October the 9th at 4.30pm at McLean Park, 
you get the challenge, <laughs> and it's in writing. It's going to happen. Challenge Hawks Bay for the Ranfurly Shield. Uh, you've had two cracks, Tasman. Uh, you haven't had it. You're the only union that hasn't won it. Is that a? Is that just <laughs> more than a little thing on the horizon for you at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. We, um, like we said, I don't think any of our current players have have had that crack for it. So, like you say, it, it's completely fresh territory for us here as a union. Um, obviously, we, we've got a couple of games in between then, but we are we have spoken about it at the start of this week, and and I guess that's a little bit of energy to draw on. You know, for the coming for the coming weeks, a bit of motivation to play well and, and something to build to. So, um, we'll get these first couple of games out of the way, but it is in the back of the head. It is something to draw some energy from, and and come that week, uh, I have no doubt that that the union and and the region and the boys heading up to play are are going to be right in the in, in that spot to hopefully make some history again for the for the union for sure. Hey, mate, it's been a funny old season. I think we have to live life that way. We just don't quite know where it's around the corner. But it could go into, what, November, they're saying? Well, it, has, it has all that potential. Um, I, I do feel really sorry for, for you know, some of the Auckland teams and there's the likes of Otago and Southland who are still waiting to play. And uh, like you say, it's, I think it's going to be a bit of normality now with the chop and change. So we just sort of have to live and deal with it. But... Um, I mean, it is what it is, and, and I'd sort of do anything to, to play. So I'm happy that uh, in some form we get to play rugby and whatever the future of it looks like for the season, it's just going to be what it is. So um, as long as everyone's sort of keeping fit and has a chance to play, um, I'm just really grateful that, you know, we get the chance again because, um, like you say, it could be, you know, chop and change, start and stop. So uh, I just look forward to, you know, and, and being really grateful for, for the opportunity to play again. Absolutely, mate. Hey, listen, uh, stay, uh, go well against uh, Waikato. Uh, stay fit. That's the most important thing because I'd hate to think you're going to miss that occasion in a couple of weeks. So at least, at least <laughs> run, run past the Ranfurly Shield on the way out. That would be nice. <laughs> no, mate, I'll be doing my best to be fit for that one. That's for sure. Okay, Mitch, uh, hey, been a pleasure, mate. Thanks so much for your time. Awesome, mate. Good on you. Catch you bye. Yeah, good on you indeed, uh, Mitch Hunt. Uh, Terrific young man, uh, and John, just uh, unfortunate, probably at a time where number ten is is uh, pretty well filled. Yeah, absolutely, and wants to be an All Black though. Smithy wasn't isn't ready to go overseas. I gleaned from that chat, and mm. really wants to give it a good crack. I mean, I think he's been a bit stiffed uh, previously. He saw Brett Cameron picked and become an All Black in front of him. That must have hurt. Uh, while he was at the Crusaders and actually ahead of Brett Cameron in the pecking order then. So he thought, bugger that, I need more game time. Went down to the Highlanders, had the uh, Joshuani down there, who also became an All Black, overtook him, and is now very much the main man in the 10 jersey for the Highlanders. So, Smithy, I know uh, D-Mac's heading overseas next year. If Richie Moanga mm. or Bowden Barrett get injured next year, is, is our man from Tasman, Mitch Hunt, the next cab off the rank when it comes to All Blacks' first fives? Well, it depends uh, not so much on a season for the Marco. I think it will be dominant there. It's a season leading uh, the Highlanders around the park. That's, that's the one that's going to govern that, of course. No Josh Shawani, who has uh, moved north. Uh, so uh, really, it's, uh, it could be the Mitch Hunt show to run uh, in terms of, of, of that particular franchise. If he does that, if he gets him to the fore, uh, I think he'll get you recognition. Because uh, he can play fullback as well, not for, don't forget, he, he's a, a utility-type player. 
Uh, so, uh, yep, Mitch Hunt, one to look for. And, uh, of course, it's uh, Tasman uh, and Waikato uh, tonight. Don't worry about that. And that's down there. Uh, at Trafalgar Park, uh, John, you've got some news coming through from the Ryder Cup, yeah? I do, Smithy. This is always exciting when they announce the pairings, isn't it? So it gets mm. underway with foursomes, which is interesting if you don't know your golf, um, but it's alternate shot, and the first match off the tee will be Spieth and Thomas for the USA mm. against Ram and Garcia, Smithy. What do you make of that for a start? Well, Spieth and Thomas, that, that's the hot combo they're talking about. Um, and they'll play well together. They're great mates. They are great mates. They're the same age bracket, they, you know, have been through that system, and um, are both, uh, of course, one major, so uh, hugely experienced, but a really good combination against the might of Spain. That's what it is. Ram and Garcia, the might of Spain. So uh, Harrington has uh, been quite crafty in that regard. They both have, but Harrington's come back and said nothing to get us up and running like a feisty performance by John Rahm, the number one in the world, and Sergio Garcia alongside him. That, I can't wait for that. I really, that is a hell of a matchup for game one, John. Yeah, mate, you are fizzy. I'll just go briefly through the the other three as well. Uh, Johnson and Morikawa against Casey and Hovland. Kepka and Berger against Westwood and Fitzpatrick. And Cantlay and Schofley against McElroy and Poulter to round it out. So I don't think I heard the name Bryson DeChambeau there. Um, so they're uh, keeping his... Powder dry, so to speak, for later in the competition. That's the Ryder Cup, folks. Uh, starts overnight uh, New Zealand time. Um, Mick Guerin, Michael Guerin uh, from uh, Harness Racing in particular this time around uh, with his segment on our Friday morning show as we look forward, yes, we look forward to the return of Harness Racing to HQ under Level 3. Sport in New Zealand. <laughs> Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.22 here on SENZ. It's that time of the week where we check in with Michael Guerin, of course, um, famous for his knowledge of uh, all things racing. But in particular, we like to focus at this time on the harness racing industry. A busy weekend ahead, uh, Michael, uh, including Addington, including the Motokarara Trots on Sunday afternoon. Uh, but the return under Level 3 of racing to HQ, Alexandra Park, tonight. Should be a lot of fun, Smithy. Good morning to you. Hello to all the SENZ listeners around New Zealand or listening on the app. Yeah, Alexandra Park, Smithy, haven't raced for 50 days, which sounds like an awfully long time. Of course, no one saw the COVID lockdown coming. It's a slightly unusual meeting tonight where they race... Um, on the usual Friday night slot because horses from the Cambridge region or even down where you are or anywhere down in Palmerston North are allowed to come to the meeting. But their trainers aren't because obviously people can't cross in and out of Auckland for racing. So what happens is, is a trainer will pack up the horse's gear, pack up the horse, has to go with a registered transporter. They can then go predominantly for this from Waikato to Auckland the trainer has to organise somebody in advance to look after the horse at the other end. This person may never have seen the horse before. Take all the gear, and then a driver has to be found inside the Auckland region for these horses to drive them. After they race, all the gear is cleaned, packed up again, horse gets back on the transporter, goes back to its home. So a lot of trainers in the Waikato 
will be watching their horses race at Auckland tonight, but they can't be there, even though it's only 100 kilometres mm. away. <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, I've looked at the fields. Uh, interesting fields indeed. I, I think the shortest price uh, horse on the night, uh, driven by Maury Mack in race five, is Lady of the Light. Yeah, trained by a guy called Jeremy Young, and, and he's a very good young trainer. Made his name as the guy who looked after former champion Auckland the actor. Um, he's got himself a good horse here, but it's in a very, very sharp race. So I thought it was a winning chance. I thought the $2 was maybe a little bit short because there's some pretty nice two-year-olds in here, horses like Riverboy Ben and Courage of Montana. I'll be steering clear of it. The horse I will be tipping, Smithy, is in race four tonight. There's a horse called Mitch. Now, Mitch went to Cambridge last week. Had no real luck in the running. He probably couldn't win his race a long way from home because he got on the wrong tactical position. Tonight, he's race four, number seven. He's $4.20. I rate him a significantly better chance than a $4.20 chance. The horse who's favourite in the race is Miss Montana. And I thought she was massive under. So I do like him. I think he's got a really good chance, Mitch, at 4.20 for Steve and Amanda Telfer. Remember those names. They are in for a gigantic season in New Zealand harness racing. I would suggest, with the financial power of Stonewall Stud behind them, they'll be the biggest movers on the New Zealand mm. Trainers Premiership this, uh, this season. So Mitch, race four, number seven, Smithy, I thought a really good each-way chance for punters who want a responsible play tonight. Uh, that race goes at 7.20 New Zealand time. Of course, you'll be on Trots Talk on Sunday and you'll be talking a lot about um, the Motta Carrara Trots on grass. Now, I've been there. I've had a hell of a day there with Nisbo, actually. It was fantastic. Uh, big, roomy track. Massive roomy track and uh, no excuses. Uh, basically, uh, if you can handle the grass, you'll get a chance. Well, and you're right, Smithy. What you said, the first part of that the comment is the most prevalent part. It's a hell of a day out. You're not going to see the best horses in Australasia racing on the grass very often. They, they maybe go to Methven for the Methven Cup. That's about the one-off. But it, it's a different way of viewing racing. People love the thought of having a picnic, or in your case, a Nisbo's, maybe having a quiet beer, and enjoy the horses in that relaxed environment. And it's a real strength for harness racing that you can go to Methven and you can go to you know, Monte Carrara and these type of places. And the dividends are bigger because the fields aren't as good, but the, there's a lot more horses in them. Often there's 18 horses mm -hmm. in a race. And the harness racing, if it has something which annoys punters, is often there's quite hot favourites. On the grass, you're getting five, six, seven, eight dollar winners and, and plenty of double figure winners. So it's a different type of racing. Uh, it's very much a good fun day out. The first of the grass track meetings for the season will be this meeting. The big question mark is in a couple of weeks' time whether Methvin can hold their grass track meeting. Because you'll remember two weeks ago when we were discussing this on Air Smithy, there was a big storm down there and the inside sand track they used for training got blown onto the main track. And as anybody who's ever been involved in a footy field of some sort knows, once you get sand and grass, it's a hell of a thing to get out. So that's the big question for Methvin. We're hoping they can hold their big grass track race meeting in a few weeks' time. But Sunday at Montecarrara, it's literally back what you want. It's a tricky way to bet, but it's big returns if you happen to get them. The first fours and the trifectas are massive. It's a really special thing. 
almost exclusively related to New Zealand. There's no major grass track circuit racing anywhere else in the commercial harness racing world. I think a lot of people looking forward to getting it back on Sunday. The only tricky part is, of course, all weather tracks, the grit tracks, the rain washes away. If it does rain for the grass tracks, it can make for an old slug of a day. Uh, and let's not forget, sandwiched in between, uh, is, of course, uh, Addington, which has been rock solid uh, and uh, has carried on through during the duration, giving us harness racing of the highest quality, uh, and another meeting there tonight in the Canterbury region. Yeah, they have a really good meeting tonight, and, and there's, there's some horses there who maybe aren't the biggest stars in the industry, Smithy, but they're still pretty darn good. Like the feature race of the night for the Mears features a horse who two starts ago ran in the Miracle Mile which is the absolute top of the tree. So that's stylish Memphis. She's in race eight tonight, and she's the best horse by a mile, but she's got the widest draw. So that's really interesting tonight to see whether she can overcome that draw. A lot of talk for that same team we discussed earlier, Stephen Amanda Telfer, around Darling and me in the same race, who surprisingly come up as a favourite. I'm not quite sure how the bookies came up with that because she's way too short for mine. For those who like a bet, on the harness racing. All the odds are available on tab.co.nz. There is one other I like tonight at Alexandra Park. It's called Rain, Mist and Muscle. It's race seven, number eight. It's $5.50. It's a wonderful story because um, trainers Bernie Hackett and Michelle Wallace have their young daughter, Crystal Hackett, who, like so many of the harness racing youngsters, came through the pony schools or the kids' carts. They have her driving their horse, Nothing proud of appearance than when harness racing, their kids can drive their horses to win. I think they've got a good chance tonight. Race seven at Alexandra Park, number eight, Rain Mist and Muscle. Our bet of the night, and of course, always bet responsibly, is race four, number seven, Mitch. And if you're nice and relaxed and enjoying the sort of Sunday morning vibes, join Greg O'Connor and I on Trot's Talk at noon. We'll talk to some of the people driving at that meeting at Botticarara. On Sunday, we'll try and tip you some winners and we'll try and find out where all the open-class horses in the country Smithy, are going next because they're the glamour boys, they're the big boys people want to know about. And the road to the New Zealand Cup has started, but there's still quite a few moving parts because of the COVID restrictions. So we'll try and make a bit of sense of that Rubik's Cube of form for you from noon on Sunday. Thanks very much. Michael Guerin there, as always, very informative about not just the harness racing industry, uh, but uh, the thoroughbred as well. Incidentally, if you want to get into the harness side of things, New Zealand Harness Racing, uh, visit uh, hrnz.co.nz. Right, Stump Smithy, last chance for the week. Get some money for the weekend. Put it on the ABs if you want to. 50 bucks worth of vouchers up for grabs. A good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Well, after being wrapped over the knuckles yesterday for having the truncated stump by Smithy, one question, and then we were off to Steve Hansen. We will have the full version today. And we've got Mark from Taranaki first on the line. G'day, Mark. Hello. How Hell are you going? A, yeah, really well. Hell of a season from the Naki so far. They're going well on the NPC. Oh, they're going really well. Barnes has got them firing along nicely and uh, be a good game against the Bay on Sunday, uh, plenty, so uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, a team formerly known as the Bay A, Smithy. Yeah, it's actually, Mark, and you're playing Bay of Plenty. There is only one Bay for the next 12 months. Please acknowledge that. <laughs>
Yeah, and a good shout out uh, to well, Neil Barnes I've as got, well. I've got friends in Tauranga, Smithy, so uh, you know they they say different. <laughs> well, Mark, yeah. you know how this game works. You get three sports, you choose one, then you get three questions right, and you get fifty bucks from the TAB. But if you get one wrong, then Smithy can stump you. So your sports today are soccer, rugby, and basketball. What are you going to go for? I got to go for rugby. Yeah, absolutely, you do. Let's go. <laughs> I'm glad you did because these are all All Blacks and Springboks related questions, of course, ahead of the 100th test tomorrow. The All Blacks haven't played the Springboks since pool play at the Rugby World Cup in Japan two years ago. What was the score on that day, Mark? God almighty. Um, Well, I know we won. um, And, uh, yeah, I... I just can't recall the uh, the score. I might only be guessing, uh, but it was something like, um, you know, 32-16. I'll say that. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. 32-16, not correct. Smithy, over to you. Yeah, well, my memory is, is not flash, even my really short-term memory. And so when I was doing some research this morning over this game, I, I kind of looked at this score. Uh, and it just left me. Uh, I'm thinking, something said that the Springboks got 13. Something told me the Springboks got 13. So I'm thinking 27-13. Um, He's got him. He's out caught. Not quite correct, Smithy. Oh. You did get one of those scores right. 13 for the Springboks, but 23 for the All Blacks. 23-13 in that last game between the two countries two years ago. So still alive, Mark. Question number two. What year and what venue was the first ever test between the Springboks and the All Blacks? God almighty. Um, I should have been doing a little bit of research on this myself. <laughs> um, mm. But um, I believe that it was uh, 1924. Um, in Carisbrook. How's that? I'll just give you a bit of help here. Just a little bit. Just, just uh, okay, just reassess and bear in mind that they're talking about this being the 100th and the 100th. Oh, okay, Smitty. Thanks for that one. Um, I'm, I'm used to getting sledged by the keeper, not help. <laughs> um, I, um... All right, well, let's, let's say uh, 1921. In, in That's the couple of chips down the wicket, right in the oh, slot, mate. and away it goes. How did he get that one, Smithy? 1921, Carisbrook, correct. Amazing, well done, Mark. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, well, well done, Smithy. <laughs> so for the 50 bucks from the TAB, Jonah Lomu played 67 tests for the All Blacks and scored 37 tries. He played 12 times against the Springboks, how many tries did Lomu score against South Africa? I oh, thank God. No, he got none. He never scored. There he goes, all the way up into the stand. What a hit in the first tier. That's hitting a cricket ball. Absolutely correct, Mark. You do win, and Smithy, I just show, that just shows, like, if Lomu can't score against the Springboks in 12 tests against them, like, that, that is, has to be our ultimate rival. Yeah, the ultimate rival. And uh, Mark was a, a pretty good rival this morning. 
Uh, so congratulations, mate. <laughs> uh, enjoy the enjoy the fifty bucks worth of vouchers. Uh, I enjoyed giving you a slight helping hand, bearing in mind you're part of the Central Stags region, so you're always uh, just I, a little bit further forward. Okay, mate. I, I appreciate that, Smithy, and and I, I will remember which team is the bay from here on in. Yeah, well, it was worth fifty bucks just to get that acknowledged, mate. Stay on the line. Uh, stay on the line, and uh, you'll be speaking to uh, Brian, the birthday boy. He'll get the details off you, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I think you can probably turn that into a few more bucks uh, with all, all that uh, going on, Mark. Hey, uh, something else, John, just before we get away from the prizes. Uh, you know, remember during the panel, Jimmy Kay said to us, uh, how about uh, I donate one copy of my new book, uh, Rugby's New Zealand's Greatest 15, to your best caller? Yeah. Well, I think it's unanimous. It's unanimous, isn't it, this morning? Dean? Dean from Dunedin, if you're listening, mate, um, whatever doorstep you're sleeping on at the moment, <laughs> it might be a bit cold down there, but if you can find a light, you can read your new prize. We're awarding you that book. We can officially say you're our uh, winner of that book this morning, so get in touch, call back, perhaps uh, speak to Brian as well. Uh, we know you know the number, so get on back to us and you will get that uh, book sent down to you in Dunedin to make up for the fact that you can't go to Forsyth, Forsyth Bar with your 10 mates tomorrow and watch the game live. Uh, it is now 11.39 here on SENZ. It's our tipping comp when we come back. Well, uh, it's always uh, great to come to a uh, conclusion of a show with, uh, with such a busy weekend of sport ahead, and your participation has been great. Well, we've got some really sad news uh, to pass on. We've just had a phone call into the station, uh, and um, we do thank you for, for passing on the news, but it's not good news. Uh, the news that uh, Walker Nathan, the great Walker Nathan, John, uh, the man they re- revered and was nicknamed the Black Panther, ha- has just passed away as a result of a, a long battle with dementia, I understand. That's, that's terribly sad news. That is sad. He is one of the legends of the game, isn't he, Smithy? Like when you talk about legends of all black rugby, uh, Walker Nathan is one of the names that is always brought up. 81 years old, uh, just an incredible player, and his favourite song, was this one right now, Ten Guitars. So just a quick little tribute here. A couple of moments of silence, I think, just for Walker Nathan. Beneath the stars, my ten guitars will play a song for you. And if you're with the one you love, this is what you do. On dance, dance, dance to my ten guitars. There we go, Smithy, 81 years old, Walker Nathan, the Black Panther, an absolute legend of New Zealand and all black rugby, Māori rugby, born in Auckland, educated at a Tohahu College, just one of the greats of the game, Smithy. Yeah, I remember him well. I remember him well, and that's a very, very sad thing. And uh, as we opened the show this morning with our, our thoughts about the forthcoming test match, uh, the 100th between the All Blacks and the Springboks, we said we hope there is a heaven and then they can all get together and watch. Uh, this game up there, drink to, to the cows come home because, of course, if there is a heaven, you won't run out. Uh, and it would be great to know that uh, Walker Nathan is, is making his way there uh, to join all his colleagues. So uh, a tribute there to the Black Panther. Uh, we can't forget also, and um, uh, we're on the rugby subject, that it's a busy weekend of NPC rugby, John. Uh, just bring us up to date on the Christmas hand because I've got a sneaky, a sneaky suspicion the gap might have closed. 
Yes, very much so, Smithy. Uh, I was ahead by two picks. This is our NBC tipping competition that me and Smithy do for a Christmas ham to the winner. And I was ahead by two, but I tipped the wrong bay. I tipped Bay of Plenty for the Shield game. Looked pretty good, actually, uh, at about 77 minutes, but no. So you're on 12 out of 18, Smithy. I'm on 12 out of 18. I got one from four last weekend, and you got three from four. So you're back on track. I've got the wobbly boot. What do we got this weekend, mate, with your wobbly boot? Yeah, Tasman, Waikato, tonight, Trafalgar Park and Nelson, five past seven. Who you got? Tasman. Yeah, it's pretty easy, got this one. Out. Although, yeah, yep. Waikato aren't, aren't too bad, Smithy. No, they're not too bad and they're a bit stiff and they'll be a bit angry on that refereeing decision last weekend. Uh, that cost them, perhaps, uh, the game uh, against the Cantab, but uh, I'm going to go. Um, the Marco, the Finns are up there. Yeah, absolutely. I can't see past just the uh, the amount of quality they have. Even though they've got six or seven All Blacks, they can still uh, find these these players uh, to really beef up their backline as well. So no, I think they look pretty good. Then Saturday afternoon, two o five in Palmerston North, Aaron Smith's Manawatu Turbos against Northland, the Tanifa, who were okay against Tasman last week. Smithy, who you got? Uh, Staffies. Staffy's turbos. Oh, sorry, yes. I couldn't take anything else. <laughs> Staffy's turbos. So uh, they're a they're a shot's eye for me. Yeah, absolutely. Like Aaron Smith and Brett Cameron at nine and ten, and then teamifying Anuku at centre. So not a bad wee backline there from the turbos. I'm going turbos as well. Then four o five on Saturday down in Invercargill, Southland. The Stags. They had a week off last week against Canterbury, who got that win over Waikato. So Stags against the Red and Blacks. Who you got? Uh, stags against the red and blacks, the red and blacks, red and black. I'd love to tip the stags, but the ham's worth too much to me. So I, I'm just gonna. I'm thinking. I'm thinking the red and blacks. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think they're back on deck. Uh, Canterbury. That would have been a massive morale boosting win for them last weekend. And Southland. I don't understand why they weren't playing last week. They've got. They're the furthest away from COVID there possibly is. Must be the safest place in the world to play rugby in Invercargill, but they didn't get a game last week. So I just think Canterbury with the runs under their belt from last week, too good there. So on to Sunday we go, Smithy. Your mob, Hawks Bay, are in the capital taking on Wellington at five past two. Yeah, well, I'll be loyal. I think this will be our point of difference here this weekend, John. I'll take us. I'll take Hawks Bay. I could not. I could not not take them. So, uh, yeah, Hawks Bay. Yeah, oh, God. I broke my own rule last week of picking Wellington. They're like the Warriors for me. They're just a team you never tip. And I tipped them against Taranaki, and they lost, of course. But I'm going to stick with them this week. That is, this will be the point of difference. I am going Wellington. And then into the last game of the round, 4.35 on Sunday in Tauranga. Bay of Plenty looking to bounce back from that Shield defeat against Taranaki. Probably the game of the round. Yeah, um, I'd like to be able to tip uh, Taranaki here. But I think I've got to go home. I've got to go home to bop uh, the steamers. So that'll be me for the weekend. Yep, Naki are unbeaten against the steamers. It's hard to back up once you've got up massively for a shield game. Um, mm. But I do like their team, and I do like Daryl Gibson in charge. So I'm going Bay of Plenty. So just one difference between us this week, Smithy. Someone will be in pole position for the ham, and someone will just be yep. sniffing around, hoping for the best. And Luke Romano mentioned earlier in the week, he actually makes yep. hams off wild boars that he hunts. So should we be sourcing our ham off Luke Romano? Well, you should be because you're buying it. I'll tell you that. Uh, it's 11.50. <laughs> it's 11.50 here on SENZ. Just time for you to rush through some uh, late texts that, that have come in 
uh, John, before we get to Staffy. Uh, Dino's come back in. Thanks, Dino. We want to hear from you on Monday, mate, your instant review of the game. Uh, I'll enjoy the book. The box will try suffocating us playing Grant Fox rugby. Hopefully don't panic. Grit our teeth and smash them. 21-19. Have an awesome weekend. I'm bloody nervous. That's Dean. Uh, Chase from Waiuku. Thanks for your text, Chase. Uh, Smithy, some of my favourite Springbok players were Osterant and Oli LaRue, uh, as I'm a former front rower, and why not? Uh, from uh, Jason and Marulbach and Victoria, enjoy your programme, loving you eh, eh, from SENZ uh, um, and SEN in Australia to SENZ in New Zealand. Uh, thanks very much, Jason, for listening to us from so far away. Smithy, the Springboks average age is 30, the All Blacks is 26. The Springboks are too slow to win on a firm one track, possibly on a soft six. Watch out for the game sponsor Fortinet on the All Blacks jersey shortly. Stephen, interesting. Uh, hey, Smithy, you mentioned a horse yesterday racing tonight at Addington. What was that horse? Race eight, uh, horse number four, Darling Me. Mick Guerin didn't like it that much. Pretty short in the market. We'll stick with it, though. Um, and also, uh, for Reed, have a great weekend. Yep, I agree. Dean was the right person to get the book. Uh, and also, uh, for you people in Dunedin, the text has come in. What about all the followers going to Dunedin for the 100th test? A lot booked in, but no game. So, yeah, we sympathise with all of you people there. It's 11.52 here on SENZ, remembering Waka Nathan. Voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.57 here on SENZ. Uh, we pop across to Mark Stafford. Of course, uh, Staffy takes over from 12 through to 4 o'clock this afternoon. And we finish our week on a pretty sad note with the passing of the Black Panther, Waka Nathan Staffy. Yeah, it's always it's when we hear one of the... Um Really one of the guys that paved the way, wasn't he? Walker Nathan. Um, I obviously wasn't around when he was playing, but you hear these great names like himself and George Nepier and the like, who were just wonderful players. And uh, we all have our time on this earth, don't we? And it's always sad when one goes. So, yeah, he was a he was a heck of a player. I know my father talked about him, actually. What a wonderful player the likes of Walker Nathan was. So, sad time for, for his family. Yep, it is indeed. Uh, and they'll reflect on that. I'm sure the All Blacks might even... Uh, do something special tomorrow night, which is even so special anyway. What's uh, the focus? What is the focus of the, uh, this afternoon with uh, Staffy? Oh, it's it's hard to pick a focus. We've got, got a bit of a mixed bag, Smithy. We've brought Jeremy Paul early, um, so he's coming up first of all. And, of course, I often said I don't often talk to you when the Wallabies have had a win. Well, now they've had two, so he'll be cock-a-hoop. So we're talking to Jeremy Paul. Katie Brown, who's an SEN Rugby League, uh, well, she's a host over there. She does the same show as me, so we cross over into each other's show live. Uh, Annabelle Langbein with a recipe for the weekend, and I've asked her for some TV snacks for all the sport we're going to be watching. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, The Great. Ian Kirkpatrick is coming on the show as well. Absolute icon of the game. And, of course, he he will have some reflections on the passing of the Black Panther as well. And the one I'm really looking forward to, Chris Wood out of Burnley. We're getting him on as well. Smithy, uh, absolute uh, champion of a bloke, always suits up for New Zealand, leaves Burnley, comes home for a couple of days, plays, goes back to Burnley, plays. Uh, so we recorded that a little bit earlier today, Smithy, in his, in his lounge. Actually lives in Manchester, not in Burnley, but um, plays for Burnley, and what a wonderful, wonderful bloke. We were supposed to get him last week, he forgot, and he promised he'd come on this week, and he has. So, yeah, so rugby, rugby league and uh, football and a recipe, Smithy. It's all there. Good on you, Steph. I enjoy listening to you uh, this afternoon, particularly um, 
uh, on that tribute, I think Andrew Patrick, you're right, the legendary Turkey, uh, will have a bit to say about the Black Panther uh, and those TV snacks. It is time to say goodbye for the week. Busy week, great week, so much to look for us over the weekend. Yes, goodbye to you. Very patriotic true today. Could not be more patriotic with your ensemble. Congratulations. Uh, JD, JD, good week, great week. Got some great stuff on this week. Uh, and this, this is it. Our birthday boys, favourite piece of music. Have a great weekend, Brian. Enjoy the F and C's. And for everyone listening, thank you so much. Ka The all-new SCNZ is Kiwi for Sport. Good afternoon, it's midday. I'm Trudy Nelson with SCNZ News. Police have charged a man with the murder 